Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is about your future. What if the next years of your life can be the best years of your life? When full-time work becomes optional, you'll have the time to do all the things you've always wanted to do. If only you had the time. And soon you will. But to make the most of it, you'll need to be well-prepared. And that goes well beyond your financial planning. Each week, your host, Joe Casey, is inviting you into conversations with his guests to bring you insights, inspiration, and practical ideas to design your new life. A life you'll build around what matters most to you and on your own terms. Let's get started. When you're planning for retirement, there are so many questions to consider. Can I retire? When will I retire? And where will I retire? Today, we'll be talking with Sylvia Escarelli of MarketWatch about their Where to Retire free tool, what factors it considers, and what data it can provide you to help expand and sharpen your thinking on that important question where will I retire? And I think that's relevant even if you're considering staying in place. Gives you important information on where you live and what some of the trends are that should be on your radar. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So I'm wondering if you could first tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've been in journalism, reporting or editing since before I graduated from college. And now I'm deputy commentary editor at MarketWatch, which is part of Dow Jones and the company that also owns the Wall Street Journal. And in my job, I solicit and I get pitches for op-eds on all kinds of subjects. MarketWatch is interested in all things money. So that includes retirement, not just the stock market. And that leads, of course, to my interest in where to retire. Where to retire? Such a big question. And in your opinion, what are the major factors people should be considering when they're deciding where to retire? Can I afford it is the obvious one. I think there's a lot of other considerations. Why do I want to go there? Am I being realistic about the place that vacation isn't the same as everyday life? I know family is a, a big consideration for a lot of people. Uh, so I would just caution everyone to have some heart-to-heart conversations about expectations. Your adult children are busy with their own lives and their families, and they may not be planning to stick around where you're moving to. And then you move there. Are you going to drive each other crazy by being too enmeshed with their lives? Do they want you to do lots of babysitting? Do you want to do lots of babysitting? Are you good with being on call all the time for that? Or the flip side, do you want to spend lots of time with the grandkids and then they have all kinds of restrictions on what you can or can't do with them or even what you're allowed to feed them? Not everyone is okay with grandparents spoiling the grandkids. And to me, that's a big question for people as they think about moving. Such a great series of points about the expectations and really having those honest discussions realistically about how is it going to work and what does each party expect because sometimes we make assumptions and they're not exactly in line with what people or other people are thinking. That's true. And I think we've all heard stories of people who've been disappointed 
or have been driven crazy by their parents or the kids have driven the grandparents, the adult parents, their own parents or the grandparents crazy. Very easy to drive others crazy. <laughs> so that's a, good, it's a great point. It's a great point to think about it and have those, those honest and open discussions about it. So what are some of the things that people should be thinking about, but often aren't? No, I think we all romanticize certain places. And, but for all of us, no matter our age, to me, the big question is, how am I going to build my personal network of friends? We know that socialness, being having friendships is really important for our cognitive, for our brains, and to keep us healthy and happy and to ward off things like dementia, which we all want to avoid. But, and this isn't just for I'm moving in retirement. I had a long conversation with a millennial at my local farmer's market on Saturday, and she was debating whether moving to this suburban area where I live would be a good fit for her as a single woman. And yeah, her mom is here and that is kind of good, but going back to driving people crazy. But it was a lot about how are you going to make find your tribe? So what activities will you do to meet people? If you don't go to church, what will you do? Do you use meetup? Or do you have a passion that will get you introduced to the local community in some way? So Market Watch published a piece a while back that I found really interesting it was about a couple who thought they'd ride out the pandemic at their weekend house along a river. And then rather than in the city and being there 24 seven highlighted what they didn't really like about the area that they hadn't really had to deal with before. So they're like, okay, we should move. And they had fond memories of an area in Rhode Island where on the coast where they'd lived years and years before. So they started house hunting online and ended up buying something, moved, and then once they were there, realized that it was actually hard to break into that community or the part of the community they were living in, that people had been there for decades, and they didn't need to befriend a newcomer. And so maybe it would have been different if they'd been in a different neighborhood or a different part of the area. But then when a longtime friend got sick and that friend lived in yet another place they had lived in before, and they realized how important that community and that to that their personal community in that area where they lived decades ago, how important that still was to them and how they still had friends there. And so they made yet another move and they're very happy. But this person concluded that community is more important than that beautiful view of the ocean. And I think that's something we can all keep in mind. Unfortunately for them, it was just a very expensive way to learn that. I'm going to flag another Market Watch story. We had an interesting piece a while back from someone who retired to a small southern town and also had to come to grips with what that really entailed and how open and welcoming it might be or not be and how to break in. Finally, I'm going to say, I know everybody wants low taxes, low costs, but the right spot is more than just low taxes. Think about medical care because as we age, we need more of it. And will you be able to get to the hospital of the specialist easy? Who's going to drive you there if you can't drive? And long, pleasant, long drives, I think, are a lot less pleasant as we age. Catherine, one other thing. My colleague in Florida tells me about the short life of roofs there and the high insurance costs, which is not something I would expect because it's not part of my world. So just don't expect that the things that you have where you live now carry over to some other part of the country. Just ask a lot of questions before you pack up, because unfortunately, a bad move is an expensive mistake. So it pays to do your homework and 
along those lines, I wonder if you could please tell us a story of how MarketWatch's Wear Tartar tool was created and what it provides. Sure. So I love best places lists. I think they're fascinating, but they're all someone else's criteria and someone else's dollop of subjectivity. And it's not always obvious to you what those are. So I came up with this idea that you pick what's important to you and then we'll see what matches up and make suggestions. So with the Where Should I Retire tool, we started out small just with metropolitan and micropolitan statistical areas that the government defines. So meant only part of the country. And we had a relatively short list of criteria. And then we saw how people were really interested in this. So we made upgrades. We switched to individual counties so that we could cover all of the U.S. And we kept adding options of things to consider. So what we do is we rely on data. And so it has to be national data. Therefore, a lot of it comes from government sources. Some of it is private data that we have to get permission to use, like religious affiliations, how religious an area is. That's um, a private census survey, not from the U.S. Census. So we end up including everything from the cost of living, social security tax, what about other taxes, the county's population, do you want something really big, small? What about demographics like an above average or below average percentage of seniors in the county or college grads? What about politics? What about climate, humidity, temperature? And more recently, we've added climate risk. And then we also have some of the the fun stuff or maybe not your stuff. Everything from great theater to is it a college town to is recreational pot legal? So we say, tell people when you use the tool, we say you can pick up to five things you must have and up to five things that are nice to have. And then the computer spits out the best fits for you and give you 10 at a time. I can fill you in a little bit on what people really like. One we we list temperatures for January and July, average highs. And average July highs in the 80s is the most popular thing. People also like a place that's not too partisan. We use the 2020 presidential election results to keep it simple. And we're pretty wide in our definition of mixed or balanced politics with 55-45% either way on the presidential election. People like that. They like in low overall tax burden. And if then politics comes up again, and then they want Democrats, solidly Democrats, people like an above average share of college grads. They like a below average cost of living. They like moderate humidity. It's a lot to ask for. They We also give you a choice of, hey, I can live anywhere I'm open, or I've got some specific states I'd like to live in, and you can pick up to three. So it's nice to see that I can live anywhere is the most popular choice. And then we get North Carolina, Florida, South Carolina. And I think this one will surprise you. California is fourth, despite its reputation as being high tax, high cost. And then Virginia, Texas, and it goes down from there. So how do you find the tool? Go to marketwatch.com slash retirement. And then you'll see a menu bar at the top and click on best places. And then start playing. It's really fun. I can assure you that it is. And we'll have a link in the show notes to the tool and a lot to think about just from what you've raised so far already. And a lot of a lot of things to look at based on, as you said, the data. So what feedback are you getting from people who use the tool? Well, it's been really popular. So that's really flattering. And we feel there have been some imitators, which is also flattering. And we do get questions about, can you add this or can you add that? 
So crime is a big question. And I have to say, it's been surprising to me how inconsistent the data is. Because like I said, we don't want to find good national data. So it's not just, first you have to think about, well, what crime do you want to talk about? Is it just murder? Is it burglary? Is it something else? But beyond making that decision, just think about, everybody should just think about where they live. And we all know that crime can vary widely within a county, or if we're in a city, it can vary widely across neighborhoods in that city. So there's all kinds of reasons why we haven't included it, just because we haven't felt that, unfortunately, it's not telling us everything we want. And and the data just isn't there. There's some new, the FBI is trying a new approach to collecting crime data. We'll see how that works. Some other things that have come up, air quality, days of sunlight, because the government used to um, track that. It stopped tracking it sometime in the 90s. So we looked for that at solar energy suitability and then moved away from using it and just left it as just not doing a days of sunlight criteria. We include how much snow does an area get. Some people want rain data too. We have considered state and local parks. We have national parks in there, but we found, you know, like how do you, everybody's got a local park. There's state parks everywhere. So how do you start filtering for quality? Is it above average acreage per capita? It just got very complicated and just kept it simple. Another thing is like a quality library system would be important for me. But again, how do you measure that kind of thing? Some of it is the abuse, maybe sort of know it when you see it. And yeah, some people say, what about Trader Joe's or Costco or Ikea? And we're just not going to add that kind of commercial business information. So I'd say the bottom line is really the list of criteria could be infinite. And we get, like I said, lots of requests. But as a user, do I really want to wade through all those requests? So tried to be pretty selective. We cut out some things like we had parks at the beginning, or I've tried to be more qualitative. We had golf courses, for example. So how do you make that more than, hey, here's a golf course? So we would have liked to have used a list of from a magazine of the 100 best public golf courses, for example, but we didn't get permission. So we said, okay, let's do it where there's at least five golf courses in the county using government data so that if you are an avid golfer, you at least have lots of choice or almost a golf course for every day of the week. Then I want to add a caveat that the data will only tell you so much and you still need to visit the cities or your shortlist and see if it feels right. For example, I heard great things years ago about Asheville. Then when I went to visit there, it just didn't click with me. It felt like sprawl. I was trying to figure out how could I walk downtown from wherever I would live. But we ended up for various reasons in West Asheville for an evening and then went back the next day because it felt real to me. And I'm going to say again, this was more than a decade ago. So who knows what I think now? Equally, I had some interesting experiences in Albuquerque and said, oh, this seems like an interesting place. But Santa Fe, which I know lots of people love, left me cold. So, you know, lots of caveats. These are short visits. My first impressions might be wrong. But again, the data will only tell you so much you actually need to see that to go visit. The data sets you up for a good foundation of choices. And it sounds like it also, I know for me, highlights the trade-offs that you might need to consider. Oh, yeah. Maybe it gets 
really into more detail. Lots of trade-offs. You know, people want perfect weather and beach and low cost of living and low taxes and no traffic. And if a place is that awesome, there's going to be lots of other people there and there may not be a lot of housing. Like, that's just, you have, there's no such thing as perfect everything. As you said, lots of trade-offs. I'd like to sign up for none of those categories of crime as well on my list. So we'll keep that, keep that away from there. So you also write stories on marketwatch.com, responding to emails from readers, asking for your recommendations based on a combination of the factors that are really important to them. I find them interesting. I find some of them very entertaining. But what trends are you noticing on coming from readers on what's top of mind for people these days? Well, I wouldn't say it's unique to right now, but being by the beach is, no surprise, really popular. Lakes have come up more, but the fantasy seems to be that if I want to retire by the water, I want to be by the beach. Maybe maybe that will change with climate change and hurricanes and changes in flood insurance policies. But that so far is really popular. We, when we added politics after the 2020 election, that's been really popular. And not just with the tool, but in, as you can see in quite a few of those emails, it does get mentioned. I'm looking for a conservative area. I'm looking for a liberal thinking area. Liberal leaning, There's we get all kinds. And it's nice to tackle those. It's also nice when people don't mention politics. But honestly, what I like best is just how different people are in what they want. And since I hate repeating myself as I write in just about every column, I love finding interesting places all over the U.S. And let me tell you, there's plenty. Do not just pigeonhole yourself into, oh, it must be X. And as a Midwesterner, I will say Midwestern college towns are probably underrated for affordability and interesting things to do. So give the Midwest a look. And Finally, I, I really appreciate the suggestions that readers make in the comments. They know their area best, and they have led me to some interesting places that I did not know about. But can I just flip the table a bit on you? And curious what you're finding is top of mind when, with the people you're talking to when they contemplate a move. The ones that the clients I work with really focus in on a family part of it. And some of the, the dimensions you talked about in terms of close to family, but thinking through how is it going to work? I want to be close enough, but perhaps not too close where people feel intrusive, that they're intrusive. So that's number one. Uh, second, lifelong learning. So access to some of the educational learning opportunities that you mentioned uh, really comes up a lot, college towns or ways in which people can get involved. And then the third biggest one is the question of how can I develop new relationships? Will I be able to get engaged in things and find my tribe, get that new community? through doing things with others. Those are some of the big ones. I have heard some people start to ask about climate change now, which didn't come up a few years ago. People are really starting to think about, well, that place by the beach may, may not be the best, best investment or a place close to the beach might actually turn out to be oceanfront sooner than I think. So those are the things on the mind. Climate change coming up more recently. Lifelong learning one is, is fascinating. I, there's the college town part and our college town choice is just what is classified as an R1 research university. There's about 131 institutions that are the top quality PhD type research programs. So you're not going to get every state university. You're going to get the IVs, of course. You're going to get the bigger state universities. You're not going to 
when we started out, we just used census data for it. Does it have a, a college or a university? And we ended up with community colleges and smaller schools. And it, we just wanted to make a qualitative choice. So we went for R1. You're not going to get the liberal arts schools in our college town ranking. But then you're also not going to get that football or basketball sports power five type feeling that some people care about. But the other thing I've learned about and we got permission to use is the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, these OLEs, and they have classes that are aimed at seniors or people over, I believe, 50, depends. Those are interesting things to explore. Another fascinating thing I've learned is just how many state schools offer free tuition for seniors who just want to audit the class. There's so many great ways to get that lifelong learning. And of course, there's online courses if that engages you rather than showing up in class with a bunch of 20-year-olds. But I totally understand the lifelong learning, and it's fascinating that you're hearing that too. And that opportunity you mentioned about auditing classes, I have neighbors who have audited classes across the street. I'm in my office today and across the street from the university I love college towns, and they've done that. That organization, Holly, I'm sure lifelong learning is really a good thing to look into. So I read Market Watch every day, the retirement section, go right to it each morning. Love the coverage, love a lot of the writers. As people who follow me on Twitter will know because I share a lot of it. But I'm curious, what are the big topics that you're covering these days in Market Watch's retirement section? Well, there are some things that are just perennial. Social security is always a big topic, whether it's questions about the rules. Can I claim on my ex-husband or wife's? Can I, I'm the widow, how do I claim on this? I'm the widow of the ex. All kinds of questions about the rules. Then there's the perennial debate over when to claim benefits. Is it smarter to take it 62? Because who knows how long Social Security will be around. Should I wait for the full retirement age? Should I wait for 70? Because I get 8% more a year than I do at full retirement age. I get a lot less at 62. Should it be somewhere in between? Tax changes are a big thing. And there's that question of, do I have enough to retire? And when my colleague writes one of her Help Me Retire columns with people asking about money, those are always incredibly well-read. There's lots of retirement money calculators out there. If you're listening and you're not on the verge of retiring, please do yourself a favor and stash a little bit more away and use the retirement, use a retirement calculator to get a realistic assessment of how much you need to afford the lifestyle you want. Great advice. And I'm just curious, one last question if you have time. For people listening who are planning for retirement, what advice would you offer them? Well, first is to be realistic about your budget. I know you're going to get Social Security. Be realistic about how much that is. Social Security has a, a great system to help you the, with your My Social Security account, which you should set up regardless of your age to prevent help prevent identity theft. And there's a, I just hear a lot about people with less money. And when you say, I'm looking for a house for $200,000, it's hard. You don't really want those comments from readers that say, oh, good luck. But it is going to be a lot harder than if you have more. So, but beyond that, let's go back to some of the other things we talked about. And I know you talk about this. What are you retiring to? Not just what you're retiring from. You've got a lot of years left, I hope. And you want to be happy and healthy. So how are you going to make that? that happen. It, it's something I think about too. What am I retiring to? How am I going to 
build my network, have my friends? What am I going to spend my time with? What's a 10 o'clock on a Tuesday in February going to look like? I have friends who said when they retired, they made a point of having one thing on the calendar every day to give them some of the structure they wanted. Another thing is if you do want to move, we talked about this a bit already about being about having a, the data can only tell you so much, but do explore your shortlist by, by actually living there for a while. Rent an apartment for a couple of weeks if it's even, or more if you can, not just living in a hotel. Think about how you're going to live your daily life. It's not vacation. What are you going to do? And honestly, readers have also prompted me to think a bit outside the box, um, which is outside the U.S. I know there's lots of extra hoops involved for living overseas. You've got to get a visa. Not everyone makes it easy for Americans, just like we don't make it easy for people to come to our country. And living overseas isn't for everyone. And you are going to have to deal with language issues. But I will say that the profiles of people who have actually moved abroad for retirement get a lot of reader interest. And there's some interesting things to think about there, especially if you're before 65 and you're thinking about healthcare. Do you try that for a couple of years? New adventure. And it sounds fun. It certainly does. Great thoughts. And Sylvia, thanks so much for making the time for us today. A lot to think about. And I think it really is, is going to highlight for people a lot of great things to consider in where to move and also how to build that retirement. And appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about it today. My pleasure. And if people want to email MarketWatch, it's retire at marketwatch.com. Yeah, we'll include that in the show notes as well. And thanks again. Thank you. So let's talk about things you may want to add to your to-do list following up on this conversation. Number one, do your homework. We know we should do our homework, but take the next step. Make a commitment to check out the tool. Take a look at what it highlights for you. What are your must-haves? What do you identify as your nice-to-haves? What are some other factors you haven't considered before but might be really important? And what factors do you need to research more about on your own? Number two, have the conversations. If there are other people involved and you're thinking about where to retire to, earlier rather than later, start to engage in a series of conversations about what matters most for everyone. For each of you, if you're married or in a serious relationship, or for other family members. As Sylvia mentioned, if you're moving closer to your adult children, make sure you start to inquire about their priorities, their preferences, their expectations. Don't assume. Be prepared to have an open conversation and you'll be much better prepared. And a point on making the effort, not only in homework, but conversations, it's well worth it, as Sylvia mentioned, because you want to avoid what could be some very costly mistakes in terms of time and money, as well as your happiness and satisfaction in your retirement years. And number three, test it out. It's great to dream about where to live next, but you want to balance that with the practical realities. And the best way to do that is spend some time in there, as Sylvia mentioned, not in vacation mode, but actually by renting a place for whatever amount of time you can. So you see what day-to-day life is really like. And that's day-to-day life in that new location. And it's day-to-day life in terms of how you'll use your time. Keep dreaming about your future location, but test drive it, get a realistic picture of what life will really be like. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. You can see uh, at a glance all of our episodes at our website, retirementwisdom.com. We're in our fifth season. There are a lot of great episodes to take a look at. 
Or if you prefer, you can go to listennotes.com and we have playlists organized around different topics. Just one more thing before you take off. Is it time to design your new life after you graduate from the world of full-time work? Go to retirementwisdom.com and schedule a call today with Joe Casey. Working with an experienced coach like Joe can help you explore new possibilities and gain clarity on your future. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. See you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.